Welcome to Brazil Workers Podcast by CSP com Lutas. My name is Samia Gabriela, and every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Brazilian time, we will address labor and people's issues. Embraer, a large Brazilian transnational company, proposed layoff and wage reductions for workers. The Embraer metal worker, Herbert Claros, brings us updates on the layoff attempt and other attacks against the sector. Hi, Samia. Yeah, um, last week, the Brazilian jet maker Embraer announced a volunteer layoff plan. On Thursday, they made it official. The company did not say how many staffers it intended to cut loose. We, in name of the union works, we had a negotiation with Embraer executives on Friday. In attempted to avoid the layoffs. Despite the fact that they are voluntary, it is clear that Embraer will not meet its largest giving high unemployment and job insecurity currently affecting the nation. Today, a demonstration took place in front of the factory's gate. In the union starts a campaign against the layoffs and for the renationalization of Embraer. Thank you, Herbert. Thousands of delivery workers of applications held their first national strike on Wednesday 1st. The mobilization became known as Break do Zeps and denounced the precarious working conditions and overexploitation imposed by delivery companies such as iFood, Uber Eats and Happy. Herbert Claros brings this issue now. Last week, we have a historical mobilization in Brazil. Over a thousand food delivery app workers on motorcycles gathered in Sao Paulo on Wednesday to protest against working conditions set by Uber and other apps. With their services in high demand due to coronavirus lockdown, the drivers sought better pay and improved health measures, as Brazil is a now a coronavirus epicenter and delivery works face exposure to the virus. Next day of strike are calling to the next July 12. The 10th, 11th and 12th of July will be great dates of struggles in Brazil for the lives of workers, especially the essential blacks and the poorest. In defense of life for general quarantine with a guarantee of employment and decent income for all, we make our call for all with Bolsonaro and Morão now. This day will also be a moment of fighting against racism, the genocide of the poor people and the defense of the essential workers for guarantee of PPEs and better working conditions. To talk more about this date, we have Fabio Bosco, subway worker from Sao Paulo. Samia, thanks for having me. Uh, let me tell you, uh, the working class in Brazil is going through a difficult moment with this coronavirus outbreak, the economic recession and the political crisis. Uh, but it seems that uh, the working class is starting to stand up and fight back. Tonight, 
we will have a mass meeting of subway workers of Sao Paulo. Uh, they will discuss whether to go on strike or not to defend their contract, which is under attack. Um, and on Friday, the Brazilian Labor Federations and social movements decided to call a national day of action to demand uh, far-right President Bolsonaro to go. Uh, and this day of action will be followed by um, a national people's assembly on Saturday and on Sunday we will organize demonstrations in major cities in Brazil with the same demand because we see that it's necessary to topple the, this administration in order to have to save workers' lives and workers' rights. Thank you very much, Fabio. Now, Eduardo Henrique, oil worker of Oil Workers National Federation, tell us more about the struggles of oil workers against the attacks of Bolsonaro government and against all the problems that we have during the pandemic. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here with you all who are listening to our podcast now. I'm Eduardo Henrique, a member of the Oil Workers National Federation, and we'll tell you about how is our situation this moment of the coronavirus pandemic, but also what are the plans of Bolsonaro government. We've been fighting for better work conditions since the beginning of this crisis. One of our demands, of course, was the conditions of being social isolation and everything related to it especially production reduction and adoption of safer protocols. Although Petrobras, the most important company in Brazil, aligned to proposals of Bolsonaro government, have decided not to reduce the daily production of platforms, refineries and transport term terminals to those realization jobs only. I mean, those which can be really necessary in this moment, like the production of gas to home cooking, diesel to food trucks, or some chemicals which could be used in, med in medicines and so on. Not only that, but in the first week even tried to fire colleagues of us for their participation in the beginning of the year's strike. And again, not only that, but have been also taking advantage of our difficulties to accelerate the process of privatization, selling assets, making the company into pieces. The president even said that we cannot blame Petrobras if the natural has not been good with the northeast region of the country. Believe it, what they plan is just leaving abandoned whole regions of the country while turning this naturally wild and verticalized integrated company into a dependent crude oil exporter. This is products for the whole nation. Leaving its the whole role of Petrobras leaving its role of an inducer of national economic and social development. Each of the last 15 days we have been, well, not very, but yes, we have been surprised to have a new teaser, or how they call it, opportunity, about a different asset. Piece by piece, they destroy and donate our company. Even the Brazilian Congress, yes, the president of Deputies and Senator Cameras came into public 
into the judiciary instance to question to stop the selling of assets assets process especially the refineries and uh, yeah another aspect that i think i didn't mention it's about the oil itself i mean the hydrocarbon auctions the donation of our fields so we are now launching a big campaign to call out the attention of the society of the brazilian workers and social movements to what's happening to their heritage, our national patrimony. We are making all remote and on-site efforts to mobilize workers even dur during this pandemic to defend their patrimony. Petrobras, the jobs of hundreds of thousands of people, uh, people, our rights, our work conditions, our salaries, and in this moment, more than any other thing, to defend our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Eduardo Henrique. In this episode, we will talk about the parents against the opening of schools in South Africa. The COVID-19 is growing in Africa and especially in South Africa. Gauteng, the richest province in South Africa, does not have sufficient ICU beds at the very moment that infections are spiking. With a predicted 1 million infections and 40,000 deaths, the entire system of healthcare in South Africa faces imminent collapse. 19 school staff have died since the return of teachers to school with a total of 755 infections to date. Schools are clearly a vector for the transmission of COVID-19 and this decision of national government to return to school as from 6 July will result in a further spike in infections and death toll. The government of CNA COSATO PC has ordered a return to school starting in the coming week. Parents refuse to send their children to school and the teachers who receive part of the salary from the state and another part from the monthly fees paid by the parents are worried about the situation and, even at risk, need to return to work. To talk about this issue, we have today Shahid Muhammad, an activist from South Africa that can bring some information and some thoughts and perspectives about it. Welcome Shahid Muhammad. Okay, greetings um, from Cape Town in South Africa. Um, this is uh, Shahid Mohamed Omo from the Workers International Vanguard League. And um, we're talking about the health crisis and the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, it's, ne it's necessary to go back um, to give a broader sketch. Number one is that the um, population in South Africa is about 57 million people of which more than half, that is 53% or 30 million people, are living in poverty. Um, poverty being defined as not having enough food um, to, go, to live um, basically for, you know, until the next day. So um, then we also need to look at the broader context that the policies of the government has been over the past 10 years to reduce uh, the health sector jobs by 40,000 
and they closed thousands of hospital beds and closed many hospitals. Uh, to give a broad indication of the, in, the effect of poverty in South Africa is that every year, this is before the pandemic, about 200,000 people are dying from communicable diseases such as TB, flu and pneumonia. The, um, this is the background. So um, there are very few um, ICU, that is intensive care unit beds and already in Cape Town, um, as in um, the Eastern Cape, several um, areas in the country, they already, the intensive care unit beds are already full. And in Johannesburg, um, the um, beds are filling up very quickly. Um, as of the 5th of July 2020, there were 196,000 cases of uh, COVID-19 reported and the current death rate is 3,200 deaths, so that gives a rate of 1.5% deaths of the actual recorded cases. Now, um, over the period since um, the middle of March, or actually the 26th of March, there has been a lockdown which is still continuing. And the lockdown is being contested, but um, it is um, a strong um, military type um, lockdown in uh, South Africa. And uh, the initial reasons that were given is that the government wanted time to prepare for the pandemic. And now they're claiming that it's unavoidable and uh, people will get sick and will die. Now, um, that is uh, definitely um, to be contested because over the past few months, they have not built any capacity for intensive care units. What they've set up are field hospitals that cannot take emergency care. So uh, these are the um, particular um, background. So you also look at the whole question of um, lack of housing. Millions of people are without houses. Um, millions of people are without jobs. There's a 40% unemployment rate. Um, that is um, at least you know more than um, uh, 10 million people. So this is the background to the um, to the crisis, and um, the situation is that as we said before the crisis, um, 200,000 people are dying every year uh, through TB, flu, and pneumonia. In addition, um, we need to say that. Um, they, because of millions of people being without houses and in fact many millions more um, in fact do not have proper housing and there's lots of overcrowding though the so-called concept of um, staying at home or even physical or social distancing is impossible for most um, working-class families and therefore they are much more at risk and um, in fact um, the 200,000 deaths have never been um, publicly reported as in fact they are doing now. And it's very important to, to note uh, there has been research papers indicated that the spread of HIV, and it's one of the highest rates in South Africa, is not really mostly through um, sexual intercourse. But the research is showing that it's because of the collapse of hospitals and clinics where the extent that needles and uh, various other types of disposable equipment is actually being reused. And that has been going on since 2003, 
and that has been a major factor. So if you look at that and you look at the fact that, yes, certain protective information has been given to schools, um, to um, 25,000 schools, and um, uh, that is about um, 12 million students around the country, but yet most of the hospitals are struggling to get um, protective equipment, masks and things like that. So the, col the collapse by the World Bank policies implied in South Africa of the healthcare has actually been promoting HIV and at the moment the, a lot of the spread of the disease is actually coming from the clinics and hospitals where um, there is not enough equipment and many nurses are dying and many of the healthcare people are getting infected even not only in the public hospitals but um, private hospitals as well. And Mo, what about this mobilization of parents against the return to school? Uh, tell us the reasons why parents are worried about this return. Is it due to a lack of infrastructure? There's a movement among the parents, supported by teachers, supported by uh, many students as well, not to return to, to school and um, to wait until the peak is over and um, and then to send their children back. So um, the reasons being given is that um, there are obviously um, people at home. Uh, if you can imagine 30 million people who are who have got a low immune uh, system, the immune system is compromised. Um, people are scared that the children will come home and infect um, the parents and grandparents. And um, they will also possibly infect uh, the teachers, many of whom have got what we call um, comorbidities, they've got diabetes, um, some of them have got HIV, some of them have got hypertension. These are all reasons um, and causes of, of death um, for, um, for uh, COVID-19. So um, these are the, are the main reasons why um, there are widespread protests, but um, in fact what we're having is that the army is being called in at schools uh, to force the, um, the schools to remain open. And that happened a few days ago and people are still mobilizing around that because that is a massive attack on the democratic rights of the people. So the schools are, are being forced open in order to um, free the parents from being at home and forcing the parents back to work. The first companies that were opened um, within days of the lockdown was 50% of the mines and already the, um, the mines are um, uh, fully operational and um, even though they shut down 50% um, of them uh, for, a, for a short while. So in effect the country is being used as they couldn't care less who dies um, they want to just uh, continue to take the minerals out and they couldn't care um, if people died or not. And in fact, many of the mines have got their own hospitals. So the hospitals are um, on the mines take care of these mine workers almost in an isolated way where um, one kilometer outside the mine, the people don't have access to medical care, they don't have running water, uh, they don't have proper housing. So this is the situation of super exploitation 
um, in um, in South Africa, you know, as of um, um, let's say uh, if, if you um, in fact yesterday, the Minister of Education announced that there were 1,260 um, students who were um, infected with HIV with the, with the COVID-19, and 2,740 staff were infected and this is since the 8th of june so that is just about a month of the schools reopening that that type of infection has happened and uh, today the 5th of um, july another two million students went back um, to school and so definitely the rate of infection of teachers and of students and even of uh, people at home uh, is uh, is going to continue. So far, um, three students have died and 15 teachers. What is the working model of the teachers and why do the interruption of classes also harm them? Um, the government doesn't pay for all teachers. They pay for, um, depending on the school, they might pay only for 20% of the teachers uh, sometimes they would pay for 50% or 60% or 70%. The rest of the time, the community has got to pay uh, through school fees for those teachers. And of course, the other big factor is that um, many of the classes are overcrowded. You have 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70 students in one class. So these are the conditions. Now, the impact of the schools having been closed is that in many of the schools there's the money is not the school fees are not coming in which meant that uh, several teachers cannot even come back to um to work because they 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 don't have any money um they have actually been uh, dismissed what the government is doing uh, they promised that if you applied if you had a comorbidity like uh, diabetes hypertension hiv uh, tb then you could apply to work at home. 10,000 have applied um, and 10,000 have been granted leave, but the government is not paying for replacement teachers. They are giving replacements, but at a quarter of the cost. So um, let's say a, a, a teacher's salary is 20,000 rand. They're being paid um, 5,000 rand or 3,500 rand. So it's one quarter of the cost. So, in fact, the state is saving massively. And, in fact, the um, the education um, and health of the uh, the students, the health, the education of the students is being um, severely compromised. Mo, uh, what would be the alternative that would guarantee both physical and economical and social security for everyone in the situation? Um, well, it's it's a clear and obvious that it's only socialism and a revolution that um, that can actually bring um, uh, justice and um, an end to the um, economic and social um, inequalities. However, um, there are certain major factors. We cannot just say we're waiting for socialism. We've got to fight now. We've got to organize independently and many parents and communities and teachers are getting organized in independent committees in the streets in communities 
and where this you know in blocks of of streets people are also organizing uh, independently as well now um a uh, another factor is that obviously we need to demand that the um, there must be decent housing for all as part of a program to um, you know rebuild the um, independence of unions because unfortunately many of even the teaching unions have been sitting on the side and actually have agreed that schools should be opened even though they say that uh, there should be um, some sort of protection but actually the main motivating force the main um, protest has come from the working class independently of the unions and most of the union leaders themselves are either quiet or are accepting the lockdown or are only making very small noises so the biggest problem is the trade union leadership are traitors they are betraying the struggle of the people and even the independent union SAFTU has been very weak and has been unable to mobilize and unite the you know the working class so these are some of the major problems even the um, independent organizations um, and um, independent worker worker parties such as the SRWP has been very weak and has not really in a consistent way mobilized the working class the working class is operating independently and um, in isolated manner around the country now um, there has to be in terms of the program of demands uh, there's got to be a demand for decent housing for all for the integration of the working class in the center of towns many of the buildings in the center of cities and towns are vacant and um, they can easily occupy and take up many many of the of the homeless um, currently they are um, every year um, one third of the food production is being wasted so um, they are dumping 10 million tons of uh, fresh food mostly the large retailers and the large commercial farms um, so in order for people to have a good immune system they've got to nationalize the food supply and expropriate the 40,000 large commercial farms and the five large retailers place it under workers control stop the dumping of the food and feed the masses then there's also a last point on the, the question of um, vaccine trials that um, a big company AstraZeneca and um, the Oxford University is running trials in Brazil as well as South Africa and the United States and we're saying that we reject these vaccine trials which I'll talk about in a bit um, we must we're not against all vaccines we say there must be a safe trial and we must have a broad um, scope of boosting the immune system building proper houses, creating proper jobs at a, a living wage, um, uh, building um, enough and adequate housing um, and uh, eating well, uh, promoting um, exercise, um, reducing the, the working day. Any vaccine should be a global common good. It should be not for profit from anybody and it should be part of the creative commons. Um, basically, about a month ago, Oxford, Oxford University and the big pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca applied to um, test 
um, on just over 2,000 um, people in South Africa a new trial vaccine. Um, within a month, they got approval and they are already injecting people. Part of the trial will be also to test it on people who are HIV positive, which is also a, a massive problem. So um, there is a local group of traditional healers who have been working on um, traditional medicines such as um, it's, a, um, it's a plant called Artemisia afra, um, locally called Lingana, which has been used for generations, hundreds of years, in terms of boosting the immunity and of fighting um, various illnesses and there has been uh, lots of success with that. They wanted to run a trial on that. The traditional healers were told they need to wait two years. Whereas this capitalist company coming from Oxford was given the right of way within a month. So that's one of the um, uh, big problems with uh, this rushed vaccine trial. And uh, the second major problem, the, the vaccine is um, comprised of a chimpanzee virus called an adenovirus and it's combining that with the S protein of the this new coronavirus. So what's the problem with that? There's a peer-reviewed article and we can send it to you which basically says that you cannot use this adenovirus, this chimpanzee virus, on people who are immunocompromised. In other words, the immune system is low. You cannot do that because they then face the possibility of getting um, further infected, they um, um, will, will show um, an increased rate of dying and they could possibly get hepatitis, they could even be more susceptible uh, to HIV and um, it could have a major, major impact on them. So just from the get-go already that this um, uh, um, trial vaccine is is really, it's, uh, you know, it's a big danger. The vaccines and health of people is a commodity and uh, they will try and it's not about saving lives but about how much profit they can make out of uh, vaccines. Um, 64 billionaires that control as much wealth as three and a half billion people have increased just over three months their wealth by um, over 300 billion dollars that is while the rest of the world has been dumped into massive um, massive poverty so um, we need international cooperation um, building of international organizations working class organizations and that is an urgent task and um, the task is to construct and fight for socialism on an international basis that is that's really our our, our central task Thank you very much, Shahid Mohammed. Next week, on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Brazilian time, we will be back. Solidarity forever.